0: Good. well, that's about half the church that we just got there. <laughs> um, It's great that the rest of us can stay here and can dig into God's Word this morning. I'm going to pray for Aid, who's our preacher this morning, and pray that all of us will have hearts, minds uh, that are open to receive what God's going to say to us. Do you agree with that? Yes! 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 yes. Good. So together, Father, we pray that we'll be receptive, we'll um, have ears, eyes, minds, hearts that are open to what you want to say to us as individuals and as a church this morning. Thank you, Lord, for aid. I pray that as he preaches your word, we will hear the, the words of truth, the words of the Lord to us this morning. I pray for an anointing of your Holy Spirit on aid. As he preaches today, and as he opens up and shares God's word with us, Amen. 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 Amen.
1: Thank you, Lord. I always find it amazing when, when the kids go out, it's, it feels like there's room for expansion. There's <laughs> all these empty seats, um, and it's uh, something I believe the Lord wants to do. Um, I'm on my end. You keep fiddling. I'll keep talking. There you go. Well, are off. Yeah, for, uh, Rebecca's already mentioned a lot that's going on this term. With cat money, with our big church celebration. Uh, Alpha, wonderful Sundays um, with a fresh emphasis and a new preaching series. We're going to have worship evenings. We're going to have prayer gatherings. We're going to have a church family night. We're going to have carols by candlelight, if you can imagine getting that far. <laughs> Um, we're going to have an awful lot of things going on in the life of the church. But this morning, what I felt was important to do was just to get off in the right spirit. It's really important, with all of this stuff that we do, that we, we pay attention to the spirit that we're doing it in. And so we've called this one, The Need for a Fresh Apostolic Anointing. That sounds a bit kind of powerful, doesn't it? I quite like that title when I come up with that. <laughs> I believe that has come out of uh, just a strong sense that I've had of what this term is about. And I believe I've got a bit of a prophetic word, and it's this. Stir up the apostolic gift amongst you. It's time to multiply. That's what I felt the Lord lay upon my heart. We've got to stir up this apostolic gift that we have. Because it's time to multiply. Multiply. I really believe that God wants to grow our church. Yes. I believe he wants to add to our number. Yes. Even if we feel quite full sometimes, and I'm not quite sure how that's going to work, and I do keep telling God from time to time, actually, I've got enough to be getting on with. Um, but every time I, I, I sort of pray like that, I sense God saying, don't worry, you'll be fine. Um, but this is something I want to do. I, want the, I, I believe the Lord wants to grow our church, numerically. And I know some... Churches, this is, this is their, what they're always about. You know, They just want to grow, they want to become big mega churches. I've never been all that interested in being a mega church. Um, I quite like small churches. I like to know people, um, and I like to do, do it as very much a feeling like family. Um, but God's agenda is to grow the church, always. What we do about that, and how we keep this wonderful sense of being the Tottenham United free church family, uh, the Lord will have to give us wisdom about that. Now, it's, it's worth clarifying. When I use the term apostolic, I'm not talking about big platform ministries. You know, sometimes when you, you use the word apostle, apostolic, you, you might think of the big gun preachers on the big stage, you know, the heavyweights. I'm not so much thinking that that's what God is, is doing here, although he may release Heavyweight big gun preachers amongst us, I don't know, um, we're up for that. But um, what I believe the Lord is saying is he wants to release a spirit of pioneering. Amen. Amen. A pioneering of, of breaking new ground. The word apostle means sent one or sent ones, the apostles. There is a sending that is needed. The apostles were sent out with authority and power to achieve a mission To establish the kingdom of God in new places. And I believe that that apostolic gift incorporates a lot of other gifts, like evangelism. All the apostles were evangelists. They they all knew prayer victories. As part of this apostolic gift, there is an authority in prayer. To be able to start praying in ways that changes things for the kingdom of God. Healing was part of it. Teaching and proclamation. They were teachers. They would proclaim the word with great power and see transformation. Um, Imparting of spiritual gifts. It was the apostles that were able to release that flow of the spirit. And other people would find the gifts that they possessed, that, that God was giving them. And people were raised up into ministries. And also disciple making and church planting. That's kind of in a nutshell what the apostles were all about. And I believe that this is very much a gift that we already possess in our church. We already have an evangelistic gift. We already have seen many prayer victories. We've seen healing. We've seen te- a lot of teaching and proclamation. We've seen people growing in their spiritual gifts. We, we, we love disciple making and church, well, church planting. In a way, every time we plant a new home group, it's like planting a new church. Every time we set up a prayer meeting in our workplace, it's like starting a new church. It's, there's new pockets of life springing up and people organising themselves to grow as disciples. And there may be more church planting in other ways coming. Who knows? But what, I, I believe this is a gift we already have. So it's not something that we're asking which is completely outside of our experience. It's just something that needs stirring up, I believe, in this coming season. But what I do believe we need is a fresh anointing. We need a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit blowing through the the things that we already do that helps us to, we do the kind of stirring up and saying, yes, Lord, I'm willing to give myself to that. But it's the Lord actually that brings the power and the grace to be able to step more into this apostolic anointing. And the portion of scripture that I believe captures something of the season that we're entering is Acts chapter 2 from verse 42. So, Maybe you could turn to that, because we're going to be looking at that this morning. Now this time, in Acts 2, was just there was just a wonderful apostolic thrust in the church. There was a, there was a power that was at work amongst the church which was pushing everybody out to be able to expand the frontiers of the kingdom. After Pentecost, there was this amazing energy to pioneer. And part of that came through persecution, where it was difficult to stay in Jerusalem and be a Christian, so they had to flee to other places. And of course, they carried the message wherever they went. And wherever these new spirit-filled believers landed, the Lord did a new work. And so it was expansive in that way. Um, But in all sorts of ways, in all sorts of uh, stories in Acts, you see... How there is just this amazing breakthrough spirit in the church. Let's read it together. Acts chapter 2 from verse 42. It says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles'. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God for having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Sounds good, doesn't it? It Sounds amazing. Now some people, many churches have taken this portion of Scripture and said, that's what the church looks like when it is working at its very best. And I would agree with that, wouldn't you? And... Some churches have even made, the, I think, a bit of a mistake of kind of re, re, reducing it to a bit of a formula. I, if you do verse 42, you can get both verse 43 and verse 47 as well. So if you devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, we can, you can expect to get uh, signs and wonders taking place amongst you and have favour with all the people, and that the Lord will add to our number every day. And there is is something to that. But of course, God's not a vending machine. He's not a a spiritual vending machine, whereas if we put in our bit, God's obliged to do his bit. God is God, and he will do what he likes. But he does give us these pictures and principles to help us to understand how he works. There's something in the way that, that the early church was organized and the spirit and the passion that was amongst them that allowed God to do something very powerful with them. It was a a partnership thing. The word that jumps out to me is devoted. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to the apostolic teaching. They were devoted to breaking of bread and they were devoted to prayer. Verse 42. It's an interesting word. In Greek it's proskarterio. If you're interested, and it's made up of two Greek words. The carterio bit means to be strong and steadfast, enduring, never giving up, tenacious. The prospect means to move towards, it, it denotes a positive movement or action towards something. So devoted here means a strong, enduring, and positive movement towards something. So this is a time when the whole church, everybody, everybody jumped in and gave themselves to a strong, determined pursuit of God himself and the things of God, and the life that God was beginning to birth amongst them. There was a relentless energy of God that birthed the church and then sort of spilled over into rapid expansion. Devotion was and still is the normal response of those who have been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. We are the devoted. We are called to be the devoted. So these verses and acts are not a description of a formula. They're a description of the life that we're saved for. We are saved to be God's devoted people. It's the same word in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 where it says, The apostles devoted themselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. You see, what was happening was there was a huge amount of admin that was coming the way of the apostles. There was a lot of people to look after and there was a lot of things to organise. And so the apostles had this passion and devotion. They knew that God was calling them to prayer and to the ministry of the word and so they delegated some of the other work to seven other people and they released them to get on with that work because they had a passion to be able to do what god had called them to do they knew that they had to devote themselves to the prayer and the ministry of the word that's acts 6 and verse 4 they knew what they had to do they were like a dog with a bone they were focused they had passion they made some some strong choices They knew they had to keep teaching and as they did, the grace of God was poured out upon them and their ministry. So we see this again and again and again. Devotion and grace, devotion and grace, devotion and grace. The apostolic church knew that God was always prepared to pour out his grace. They'd seen it in Jesus. Jesus was always prepared to pour out his grace, he was extravagant when it came to pouring out his grace. He did it freely and liberally. They knew nothing else. That was how God is. The grace they would rely upon, the goodness of God they would rely upon. They also learned from Jesus what devotion looks like. No one was ever more sold out for the kingdom than Jesus Christ. And he gave it all. So this was their model. This was their their pattern Acts 2 says the apostolic church was devoted to the teaching of the apostles. And a couple of chapters later it says this. And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. That's Acts 4:33. So the apostles were devoted to what they were called to do. The church were devoted to the apostolic teaching and the grace was just flowing freely amongst them all. Devotion and grace. Devotion and grace. They're two parts of the same relationship. It's our joy to be devoted to God. Have that single focused passion for the Lord. It's our joy. It's God's joy to pour out His grace. It's a wonderful thing. This is, I believe, a picture for us right now. I believe God is saying to this church, focus your passion on me because I want to pour out my grace upon your church. This season, we're going to call the preaching series Devoted, forged by the words of the apostles. We're going to be looking at the, some of the key themes uh, running through the teaching of the apostles and the experiences of the apostles. To see if we can just draw out some of what this apostolic thrust was all about. What was important to them? What what did they keep returning to? What were some of the strongest teaching that the apostles gave out? And what what kind of situation were they speaking into? How can we learn, as to the behaviour of the apostles, keys and tools for us to be able to move in a more apostolic anointing in our church? (coughs) Does that sound good? I keep using words like anointing and grace. Uh, They're key words for the coming season. I believe that we need to understand what these words anointing and grace is is all about. Um, And I want us to get used to them, to become comfortable with them. But I'm aware that there may be some people here that these are brand new concepts for you. So I, I want to kind of explain a bit what they mean. When God anoints something, it means he invests it with his power. He invests it with his power. A touch of God on something. The anointing of God elevates ordinary words. And ordinary actions. Ordinary moments to become powerful. And in his divine purposes. We do normal things. And through them, God's anointing is imparted to people. And it impacts hearts and lives. God takes our normal lives, our normal everyday interactions and does something wonderful. So let's take words for a moment. What does it mean for God's anointing to be upon words? Well, there's a a good example in the bit just before we've read with Peter at Pentecost. If you read Peter's sermon at Pentecost, it's, it's a wonderful sermon in lots of ways. There's a lot of fact in it And there's a lot of proclamation, and there's a lot of challenge in it, he's just really clear and straight down the line. Without God's anointing, that would have just been a ranting man on a roof. But the anointing of God was so strong on Peter's words that day, it says that they were cut to the heart. There was something about the way Peter spoke that just bypassed all arguments and hit them straight in the heart, and it resonated within them, this is true. What this man is saying true. it has a significance for my life and I need to respond to it. And 3,000 people were saved that day. Amazing, amazing. That's what it, it means for God to take words and anoint it. was uh, in uh, verse 37, chapter two. I was saved because of some anointed words. I've told uh, pretty much everyone here, I imagine my testimony, unless you're here within the last six months, I've probably told you. Um, But actually, I was saved because somebody spoke some words that just exploded in my heart. They weren't human words in a way, they they were spoken through somebody, but these words of God loves you, three words, I could have heard that on another day without God's anointing, and it would have gone, okay, great, nice, that's a nice thought. (laughs) Those words ate me alive for two weeks. They just were burning within me until they'd taken over And suddenly I had this blinding revelation. God loves me. God is true. God is real. Faith exploded in my heart. And that changed the whole trajectory of my life. Three words. Human words don't do that. Even though they were delivered through a human vessel, if you like. Powerful, powerful words anointed by God. I remember, this this can be almost impassive. It's not like we have to receive the oracle of God for the moment and we have to sort of look like a prophet, take the pose of a prophet, (laughs) and say, Thus saith the Lord, you know, and deliver with thunder from the throne room of God the word. Sometimes this can even happen in passing. You can be having general chit-chat and God will use something that you said in the conversation to drop into the other person's heart to make a difference. I remember there was a couple that came to this church maybe, I think it was just over a year ago. It was about 14 months ago or something. They were on holiday. Uh, they were, I didn't know this, but they were church leaders um, from a, a, a big church on the south coast in Bournemouth somewhere. Uh, and they, I just got chatting with them after the service. I went straight to them because they're new, new faces. I wanted to welcome these new people. And uh, they were called Andrew and Rosie Whitman and uh, we were chatting he said oh well I'm here on holiday. I just dropped into a different church I always like to get a bit of prayer when I go to a new church because it's quite nice to get prayer in a new place I don't, don't often get the chance so uh, he said will you pray for me I said okay I'll pray is there anything specific you want me to pray for he said no no just pray and I just prayed for him I blessed him um, and I just had this word that, that was to, it was like a it wasn't like a big heavy thing but I said well way this, but I just, I see you kind of f- finishing a building project. I see you kind of putting the finishing touches to a house. And the, and the two of you are just standing back and looking at this wonderful thing that you've made, and you say, we've done it. We can move on now. And uh, I said, "Why well, just leave that with you. Uh, and we carried on chatting for a while. It was almost kind of lost in the conversation. I just thought, well, this is just something I saw while I was praying for you. Um, and then... About a month later, I had an email from him, and he said, he said this, he said, Dear Aid, you may or may not remember me, uh, but my wife Rosie and I visited you while on holiday in June this year. It was the Sunday you preached on 1 Corinthians 15, um, and I had some prayer from you, and we chatted together a bit afterwards too. I'm currently serving in Bournemouth Community Church on the south coast. Anyway, to encourage you, we've been earnestly seeking God about our future direction, and your word that morning was utterly spot on. Essentially, it was about an imminent closing of one chapter and the opening of another, and the fact that some people wouldn't understand what we'd do. Obviously, I'd said something about that as well, can't even remember. (laughs) Uh, Together, with lots of scripture, prophecy, and advice combined, it added up to God moving us on after 14 years of serving here. To do exactly what is pretty unclear at present, so thank you for being open to the Spirit's promptings. And it says, please, please, please keep this under wraps for the next few weeks, because it's not public with our church yet. Bless you as you take up the reins of leadership next month. If we're in the area, we'd join you guys at TUFC. Yours in his grip, Andrew Whitman. It's a lovely email, what an encouragement. But that was just an almost throwaway comments that God used. It's almost scary, isn't it? That God could use something you say that will move somebody who's in ministry. I've had other times where I've, I've sort of just dropped something in, and for me it didn't feel that important. But for somebody else, it's made a huge difference. Well, there was a time when I, I was praying with Robin and Celia just before the service, and uh, Robin was about to speak, and I, I felt like I just I had a, wanted to say to him, Robin, I really believe that God's going to get you under the radar today. I really believe that the Lord has said He is going to get you under the radar, and you, you you're going to be free to do what you like. I thought I was talking about the morning. He sent an email back later on saying, we've been praying about whether we should go to this really dangerous area in Cambodia or something um, in order to, to take the gospel. And we've been asking for signs and you said we'd get under the radar and we'd be fine. I was like, really? <laughs> but the Lord uses our words. And I felt like, oh, Lord, I'm not responsible for that one. I thought it was about something else. But I'm hungry for more of that because I believe it is powerful in releasing people into new seasons in their life. You might, I'm sure that lots of you have had experiences like that where you've said something and what didn't seem that significant to you was massively significant to somebody else. Are you hungry for God to use your words? Yes. I believe that the Lord wants to anoint our words. He wants to invest something of his purpose in our words, which is beyond our normal speaking. Let's take actions. What does it mean for God to anoint our actions? Well, Jesus was a very good example. You'll be surprised to hear me say. Jesus did a lot of ordinary and basic things that because they had the grace of God upon them, they had an enormous impact. I'm thinking of things like washing feet, and breaking of bread. Very normal, boring things in lots of ways, but there was such a grace upon them that it had an enormous impact and significance. One time Jesus broke bread, and it was so powerful, there was such an anointing in the moment that he broke bread that two people had a revelation simultaneously of who he was. That was on the road to Emmaus, remember? And he stopped with them, and as he broke the bread, it was like their eyes were opened. Just tearing a loaf, which I love. He did all sorts of things. Just finding out where I am. Yeah. Broken bread. He also did basic things like this. This this is something that struck me as I was thinking about this. Rubbing spit into people's eyes. Aren't aren't you glad that was anointed? (laughs) How embarrassing and awkward would that have been if it wasn't? Come here, put it on the eyes, nothing happened, but hey, it was good, wasn't it? No, God anointed that action. He knew that that was something that that he could do. He visited people in hospital, simple things. He invited himself to people's houses, think of Zacchaeus, all he did was spot somebody in a tree and say, I'm coming to your house for tea. What a a powerful impact that had in Jericho. You know, huge change of the whole atmosphere there, just because he did that. He did lots of quite ordinary things, but God used them to release his power and his goodness. So this is when what we do has much greater impact than it normally would. It takes obedience to do it. It takes just sort of going with it. And, And when God prompts you to do something, just get on with it. There's some good examples in Scripture. Philip the Evangelist is a good one. Philip was one of those people I mentioned that was commissioned to do the admin for the Apostles so that they could get on with prayer and and preaching the Word. But a little while later, you see Philip in Samaria because God's told him to get himself over to Samaria and God's doing loads of stuff in Samaria, which is amazing. And the, the Apostles just catch up with Philip in Samaria and what does the Holy Spirit say? He says, go to the road that goes down to, what is it? It's from Jericho to somewhere. Because I want you to meet an Ethiopian eunuch. And so he just goes. He doesn't question. He just goes. And he he catches up with this guy who's in his chariot. And he just starts explaining what this guy's reading. The Ethiopian eunuch then gets saved, gets baptised. And legend has it that he then carries the gospel to Africa. And Ethiopia and their churches still swear that this is the guy that brought uh, the gospel to our shores. Amazing. These are brilliant pictures of what it's like to respond to an apostolic anointing. We can't all completely model our lives on Philip. You can't completely model your lives on the Ethiopian eunuch, thank God. (laughs) There are things there that I might not want to do. If I were to say that, there'd be you saying, you first. (laughs) (laughs) But these are important principles. They're important
0: pictures.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes even your presence can be anointed. Moments can be just transformed because of the anointing of God in your life. Uh, To take Peter again. People were healed when peter's shadow touched them. that, that sounds amazing. So peter just appears he just walks past people and people kind of get have an encounter and just find themselves healed. I think that's a wonderful a wonderful thing to aim for. You know what what a wonderful gift that is, that was normal for them. I think sometimes we sell ourselves short, don't we? What what we allow ourselves to think of as normal is sometimes a little bit dull compared to what some of these guys knew. And actually we can hunger and thirst for more of that sort of thing. I don't know what your workplace would be like if every time you walk past someone they got healed. But I think it would be a wonderful thing. And I I think that God wants to do wonderful things through us. But even just taking changing atmospheres, God can make you an atmosphere changer by your presence. Have you ever experienced that where... You, just by being in the room, the conversation's different. The atmosphere's different. It's, it's easier for me because I'm a reverend. <laughs> and there's times where, you know, shh, the vicar's here. <laughs> uh, but even, even before I was, you know, there's a f- few times on building sites and stuff where. You can notice over a period of time a little bit of change. And actually, things that you couldn't have said a couple of weeks ago, I think I could say now because something's changed in the atmosphere. I think we can all have that grace of God upon us. Every single one of us. All of this is open to all of us anyway. But actually, that's something you can be praying for. That just by being there, people would be more open to the kingdom. There's something about you, and when you put your foot on that ground... Things become more open and the, Lord, and the Lord can do things that previously he couldn't do without you going there are you up for being anointed as an atmosphere changer? Yeah. 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 pray for it pray for it you might have loads of stories like this it might be a completely new concept to you I don't know but in one sense we're all in the same boat I think we all need fresh anointing actually the experience of yesterday never equips you for the experience of tomorrow God is always leading all of us into new territory. That's what the apostolic is all about. You don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. You don't know what needs that God is gonna wanna meet through you tomorrow that are gonna be presented. And you know you don't have what it takes, but God wants to do something (coughs) through you. Every day is new, every day is different. Every day we need to be relying heavily upon the anointing for the day. We can't be resting on the anointing of yesterday God wants to do things through you, through your own little acts of obedience. So I'm convinced that we already have this apostolic gift, but I believe it's time for, to, to ask God to pour out a fresh anointing upon us. grace, A grace to pioneer a fresh apostolic anointing. So, when God prompts you to pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. When you think, I need to pop round and see that person, and it just comes back to you. Go, yeah. do it, yeah. just, just get there. Yeah. Or you think, wouldn't it be great to send that person a card to encourage them? Yeah. How easy is it for that just to kind of fleet off the back of your mind, and you never got around to it? But actually, that might be the moment when God yes. was calling them. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to use your words to do it. Mm-hmm. Helping someone. You just sense that God's nudged you so you need to help them move that thing or you need to help your next door neighbour. I haven't got time. Just do it. Just do it. And when the Lord gives you that kind of nudge to do something, he might just put you in the right place at the right time to do something wonderful. By your ordinariness, he can pour out his anointing. I once heard the story of a woman. This was years ago, and I can't remember her name, which would be no surprise to some of you. Um, <laughs> I'm getting better with names. <laughs> I, I once heard the story about a woman. We'll call her Jill, um, who really sadly lost her husband after many years of marriage. When she, but but early, like she was in her fifties. I remember all the details, but not the name. And this woman. Year after year, at important times of the year, so wedding anniversaries, the anniversary of this man's death, her birthday, his birthday. When there was an important moment coming, a depression would just start to come over her. She'd start to get anxious because she knew these dates were coming. So she'd get anxious and then she'd just get so low. And every time she felt like she was making progress, she'd just knocked back down as soon as the next event came around. Because she just could not find her feet in her life without her husband. In the same church there was a woman who was a prayerful woman who loved to listen to the Lord and as she settled down to pray one day, God said to her, I want you to send Jill a bunch of flowers and she says, okay, I shall send Jill a bunch of flowers and then she she carried on with her morning devotions and she did every day with Jesus whatever she did uh, and then she, she prayed about some things on her prayer list and she went about her day. And then the next she forgot all about sending flowers to Jill. Uh, the next day, she, she came to her quiet time again and then she settled down into prayer it's quite strongly now. Send Jill some flowers. Oh, okay, I'll write it down now, Lord. I'm so sorry, I forgot all about that. I feel it just left my mind. She, so she wrote it down. She said, I will do it, I'll do it today. She forgot again. The next morning, as she opened her eyes, first thought that hit her mind was, send Jill some flowers! She was quite insistent now, so she's like, right, I'm not even gonna have a quiet time, I'm just gonna go and sort this flower business out, because clearly God wants to send Jill some flowers. So she goes and buys the, she she feels a bit guilty, so she buys the biggest bunch of flowers that she can find. You know, one of those lovely big 60 pound bouquets, have that in your mind. And she, she gets a card and she's, Oh, what do I write? Well, she just wrote, from God. Because these were from God. So she just put that in the top of the flowers, left it by her doorstep and left. So Jill wakes up and opens her front door and finds these flowers. And something within her just breaks. You see, what, what the other woman didn't know is that this was her wedding anniversary. The day they actually landed on the doorstep. Whether God knew that she was going to procrastinate or not, I don't know. But the day they landed on her doorstep was her wedding anniversary. And just prior to that, God had been saying to her, I am going to be like a husband to you. And she was saying, I know you want to be like a husband to me, but I can't receive it somehow. Something in my heart just won't compute with what you're telling me. And I'm still terrified. About this season, because I know I'm going to hit depression again. I'm approaching this date, and I just, it's going to be an awful day. I need you to show me what to do. And as she took those bunch of flowers and she opened the card and just said, From God, something within her shifted. And from that moment, she experienced a powerful healing. And her life began to brighten up, and she found her feet as somebody who. Dearly loved her husband still, but she found strength in her life and she was able to move on with her life from that point. Just a bunch of flowers. All it was. A bunch of flowers, two words, from God. Yet had the most powerful impact in somebody's life. We don't necessarily ever know how God is going to use the things that we say and do. You will never know. You cannot know. If you did know, it would probably mess with our heads. (laughs) We've got to trust him. But I believe in this season, God wants to grace you with fresh words that are going to release your heart and going to release other people's hearts. He's going to give you the privilege of partnering with him to do actions that are going to bless other people's lives no end. He's going to speak through you. He's going to use you. And I believe he wants to anoint you very powerfully. So, we go to him. The Acts Church knew where the power and the passion came from that they were experiencing. They were devoted to gathering to him. They were devoted to feeding from him, drinking deeply of the divine life. Because you've got to be intentional if you want God to anoint you and to use you more and more powerfully we have got to come to the Lord and feed on him they were devoted to the powerful anointed simple act of breaking bread together and we're going to do that this morning let's just prepare for communion because it is in him That we find strength consider this all the fullness and power of God was fully invested and contained in Jesus he was the Christ he was the anointed one the word Christ means anointed one the full anointing of God was upon him and we saw his glory But when Jesus took the loaf of bread at the Last Supper and broke it, he explained that he was being broken open so that the fullness of God would no longer be constrained to his mortal flesh, but that it might be released and freely given for us to take within ourselves. We are invited to come and partake of the Anointed One. He wanted to be clear. Everything he demonstrated was being made available to the apostles. Everything that he did was being made available to us. The same is true right here today. It's his his clear intention to make the life he demonstrated available to you right now. So just like the Acts 2 church, It is your privilege and your calling that you might be washed clean by his blood and that you might rise up by his destruction to become the devoted people that God has called you to be. Now, we're going to break bread together, we're going to continue in this kind of spirit of worship. And I want to ask you not to talk, but we're going to do it slightly differently. What we're going to do is we're just going to move the chairs, stack the chairs, towards the back. So we're going to create a bit of space in the middle. We're going to get into groups of, of eight to 10 people so that we can share communion together, looking at one another. And we're going, to, we're going to do it that way. And we're going to, some people are going to come around and give you a piece of bread and hold on to it because we're going to eat together. A little bit like we did at Lee Abbey. And if one person from each group could just come and grab um, a cup and a serviette and then we're going to do communion together. So let's stack the chairs and then we'll do communion.